the Bears are officially gearing up for the 2022 NFL Draft. It's going to take place in about 48 hours here. 48 hours from when we're recording this. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. It's your host, Usaid Kochil here. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Check out my Twitter at Usaid Kochil. Check out my co-host, Sam Stevenson, and Joseph Herf on Twitter at Shy Sports Sam and at Joseph Herf NFL. This is one of those rare occasions where we have all four members of the Fireside Bears staff, I guess, if you want to call it on. We've got my YouTube co-host, well, most of you might know him from YouTube, and the guy who was insanely high on Sam Mustafer and Kendall Wilder last year that also just tweets out certain things about the Bears that people take to heart when he's actually trolling. But Max Smith is in the house. You can follow him on Twitter at MaxSmithESM. Max, I'm going to go to you first. How's it going? Thanks for jumping on, but yeah, what's up? Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, yeah, if you don't follow us on YouTube or subscribe, rather, uh, you definitely should. We just hit 420, so that's a huge number for us. We're really excited about that, all, all memes aside. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Good seeing you guys again. Happy to have you on. I, I like I like calling us the staff for Fireside Bears. I feel like that's the appropriate term. I don't know if you guys agree, but the crew, the pack, I don't know, the the, the four musketeers, whatever you want to call us, we're all here. They all great. Us. We're all yeah. interns. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I like the staff. That sounds good. I mean, the administration. See, I don't know if people, well, administration actually works better because we're each responsible for like something on Fireside Bears, but we just all run the entire brand. I know certain people, like I don't even think anyone today uses the term squad anymore. I felt like that was a term that was insanely popular when all of us were in high school because we're all around the same age. But then that just got phased out ASAP as soon as TikTok came around. Now it's like the crew. But anyways, before we get in all the action, make sure you are you know, giving the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts, all right? Go check out the YouTube channel. We dropped our mock drafts on there, too. We've got some sleepers and overrated players. We got, you know, positional previews with cornerbacks, wide receivers, as well as offensive linemen. We just dropped a video about why the 2022 NFL draft is crucial for Justin Fields. So pretty much, we took a different approach this year, guys, with the draft. And we said, rather than being like every other Bears outlet and doing positional preview upon positional preview we were only going to focus on the most important things as well as the most important storylines and speaking of the most important storylines we had an opportunity to hear from the bears all-time franchise sack leader today robert quinn who said he was stunned and shocked at the news regarding the khalil mack trade i think that that's just the general vibe that i get around the Bears organization right now, especially the players, because Travis Gibson said he was in a state of shock and thought his friend was playing like a super early April Fool's joke on him. Robert Quinn was certainly shocked too. And, you know, I think this means the trade of Khalil Mack meant so much to Robert Quinn. But Max, I mean, let's just hand it off to you here right now. I mean, is there any particular team that you're sending him off to knowing that teams are doing their homework and what do you think the right price is because i think that if khalil mack went for basically a second and sixth round pick and 70 million dollars off the books robert quinn has to go for at least i think a fourth fifth or sixth round pick yeah i think robert quinn is um definitely a piece if you want to just trade solo you're probably going to get a fifth out of that um considering the year he just came off of there's probably a lot of teams that are looking to have that little extra step 
Um, when we look at defensive ends, specifically or outside linebackers, depending on how your scheme works, um, these guys are, are basically just supporting casts, you know, like obviously you need the edge rush, but the way that this league is evolving is that you don't need these guys to win you games because you're not expecting them to, and to begin with, especially in fast, happy leagues. Um, your, your primary focus is on the secondary. And of course, time to quarterback is such a big metric for pass as well. However, um, you know, wins above or above replacement. If you're a big data guy, um, just really legitimately comes down to, uh, how well your secondary plays. So unfortunately the big need for big blockbuster trades in regards to some of these guys is like, you know, decreasing in value as, as time will go on here. But I think you're going to be able to get a solid fifth out of that. One of the things that could be interesting, though, is packaging him with um, the 49th pick, potentially moving up into the first. If you add in, you know, another 2020-2023 consideration, whatever that may be, a second or a third. Um, Bears have an opportunity to move into the first round if they want to put him in a package. I'm sure there would be some teams that would at least consider it um, because, you know, he's an attractive player with an attractive contract and um, coming off a great year. Yeah, I think... Uh... You made a lot of good points. He's coming off one of the better years of his career. I think a good spot for him would, uh, if he, you know, a fourth and a sixth round pick, possibly from the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, reunite him back with his, uh, with his former team. They, uh, they have a lot of comp picks coming into this draft from uh, both from, uh, I believe it was when one of their head coaches got hired as a, or one, a GM, one of the two, somebody got hired in and it brought in a cop pick for them and also just players. So they have like, three sixth round picks, two seventh round picks. So if you got like one of their fourths and uh sixth from them with the trade like that, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Or I love the scenario you brought up, Max, of packaging him with your 48th pick to get back in the first. I think that'd be a ideal spot. I think that's a win right there alone. You're not getting exact pick for it, but to get back into the first round and keep the amount of picks you have is enormous. So say you do that, you could trade back with your 39th pick and then, you know, get more picks after that. And then you have, you know, a second, a third, a fourth while also having your first round pick. Now, yes, again, Robert Quinn not being here would be horrible, but it seemed like the Rams could really use them. They lost Von Miller. Uh, their only defensive end, again, th- depends on scheme, but they run a three, four. Uh, their outside linebackers are Leonard Floyd and Justin Hollins right now. They, I mean, Leonard Floyd has been solid for them, but I think they could use an upgrade there, especially since they had needed Von Miller last year. So I think it's a good fit. Um, there, I think there are a lot of options you can go to with that. I really don't want to see him go regardless, but I think you can make a few things happen in the draft here. Yeah. Uh, both of you guys bring up really good points. Hard for me to add on like too much there. What I will say is I could see him going to the AFC just cause the loaded AFC with all these trades of the, the exodus of players that happened this off season. Um, you know, you're looking at teams that are trying to contend right now. I think of the Chiefs, uh, the connection there with Ryan Poles. I think it makes sense. Um, I could see a team like the Ravens making a move. I know they've brought in back some of their defensive starters, but with the draft capital that they have, I mean, if you could get any of the Ravens fourth round picks, even just one of them, and maybe like a 2023 day three pick, I, I would be content with that. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the book. I know they just signed Von Miller, but like I could see Buffalo making a move as well, just because again, they're, they're in a position to win right now, um, with Jonathan, uh, with Allen and stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think if you can get a second for Khalil Mack, I, I don't see why Robert Quinn's trade value wouldn't be equal, if not maybe a little bit more, but, uh, ultimately I, I'm not expecting anything like a first round pick or anything crazy like that. 
coming off a great season. A lot of the guaranteed money's off the books already, though. So like trading for him isn't a huge hit on a team. Uh, Max, you mentioned it. it's a team friendly deal, I think, for most teams. Um, but really, uh, as long as it's not undervaluing him a little bit, I- I'm I'm very content with getting one to two picks in 2022 if if the price is right. Or, or honestly, I mean, if you can get a similar deal like Clue Max, where you get maybe maybe a fourth round or a third round pick in 2022 and you get another draft pick in 2023 again you're kind of re-emphasizing the point of we're building this thing it's not going to happen in this year but but watch out in 2023 when we got the cap space and now we got some draft capital to have some fun um but the, the fact that teams are interested this doesn't surprise me too much um i love what quinn was able to do and kind of resurrect you know almost his career a little bit last year but for a Bears team that is just really trying to remodel and not necessarily totally rebuild, uh, Quinn's a really enticing piece going into the draft. I think he had a lot of options, ultimately, uh, when it comes to him. So you guys made really great points. Now, I'm going to throw out, I think, a wild card team that no one's talking about, and I think it's specifically because of the head coach. But we know that Mike Vrabel comes from kind of that New England Patriots. I don't want to say coaching tree, but he did spend time with the New England Patriots organization. What's one thing the Patriots have always done? They've always kind of brought in older veterans that are on the tail end of their careers and just figured out a way to make them be – productive. Now, I really like Mike Vrabel as a head coach just because I think that he's incredibly disciplined and he gets a lot out of his team. But I would say that the Tennessee Titans would be one team that I would be on the phone with when it comes to trading for Robert Quinn. And specifically because John Robinson, I think, is one of the smartest GMs in football right now. He's not necessarily a top-notch executive, but he's done a really good job just building up that Titans roster. Like He took over and identified that Marcus Mariota is not the guy, so you go out and you trade for Ryan Tannehill. I don't care about what your opinions of Ryan Tannehill are, but you know what? He's been much better than Marcus Mariota over the last couple seasons. They got guys like A.J. Brown in the second round of the 2019 draft. Obviously, they have a pretty solid offensive line. Derrick Henry is the best running back in football. And then, you know, you have a really solid front seven there with guys like Jeffrey Simmons, as well as Zach Cunningham, Bud Dupree. But I would say the Titans need to be a team that you have to be on the phone with. And specifically because when you look at Tennessee's draft capital, you know, they have a first round pick, they've got a third round pick, and then there's two fourth round picks, a fifth round pick, and a sixth round pick. So those are realistic, I think, you know, compensation that the Bears could get for Robert Quinn. Now, you know, the two fourth rounders are at 131 and 143. The fifths at 169. The sixth rounders are at 204 and 219. So Tennessee, I think, has really what the Bears and Ryan Pulse are specifically looking for in the sense that the Bears don't have a fourth round pick, but they have two fifths and then the one sixth round pick. And I'm sure Ryan Poles is going to want to add at least a fourth rounder. And I would say irrespective of Robert Quinn, it would just make sense for the Bears to explore adding a fourth round pick in this draft. Now, the Baltimore Ravens, Sam, I want to touch on that real quick. The Ravens, I think, have like four or five fourth round picks. That would certainly make sense, too, just because of the Ian Cunningham connection, because I think the Ravens are also a team that's realizing we need to figure out whether we're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. How do we take the next step? We do it by adding a player of Quinn's caliber to an already solid and well-coached defense. And so... The thing is, is that I would say Tennessee is my most realistic landing spot for Robert Quinn right now. 
I think I'm going to kind of touch on what you mentioned with, with the Ravens. The reason why I bring up the Ravens and the chiefs is like, I just think they both have double digit draft picks. I don't think you're sitting around with those draft picks, your two teams in the AFC who are considered high quality teams uh, and teams that are trying to once again, potentially get to a super bowl. Um, you know, the chiefs kind of fell flat last year. The Baltimore Ravens fell flat last year. You know, you have your quarterback in both Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Do 12, 10, 11 rookies help you, you know, in the short term? Are you looking more in the long term? And ultimately, if it's only going to cost one to two picks for a guy like Robert Quinn, I don't see why, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs wouldn't make an offer to a team that has their former uh I don't actually remember exactly what Ryan Poole's position was in Kansas City, but a guy that has the connection there or a team like Baltimore, who, again, has a chance to be good in their division again. Uh, I truly think the AFC North is up for the taking again outside of maybe Cincinnati. Um, But Robert Quinn, I think, is just a complimentary piece for both of those teams. I, I, I honestly didn't really think about Tennessee as much. It's definitely a team to consider. The only thing I really hesitate about with is I know I think there's a pretty significant gap they have between the first and the third round. So they might be hesitant in making any of those moves. I also see them. I saw a mock draft recently and I kind of like this take. They're a dark horse to take a quarterback this year. Ryan Tannehill's 34 and he's only going to continue to get, you know, you know, there's only so much better he could potentially be playing as well. So if they're kind of in the market more for a long-term kind of moves in the draft, a Robert Quinn trade, I hesitate a little bit with that, but I definitely could see the connection there and, and, he would look, you know, I think he'd be a solid piece for their defense, especially again in another division where like they are one of the top two teams who consistently can make the playoffs under head coach Mike Vrabel. But Joe and uh, Max, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to add here. Yeah, I think there's a team that we're not talking about, and that's uh, Denver, the AFC West, uh, I guess, least improved outside of Russell Wilson. Um, they have so many picks in the middle rounds that it's kind of disgusting and they are desperately outside of bringing in Randy Gregory. They don't have a lot of defensive pressure that much anymore. Maybe, you know, Bradley Chubb, but uh, their, their GM, uh, he's George Patton. I think he's last Patton uh, came out and talked about just how much they're looking for uh, edge rushers and how much they're looking for the pass rush and how the Broncos are going to be targeting rushers very high in the draft. Um, and if they're really that desperate to bring in people off the edge or just in, in pass rush in general, uh, I would already anticipate that they've already picked up the phone and called Hallis Hall once they heard um, that Robert Quinn was available, or at least that other teams were calling about Robert Quinn. Uh, because remember, Hallis Hall is a tight, tight ship, right? So anytime something like this comes out of nowhere, um, they're either one, somebody in the media is just blowing smoke. Or two, uh, they're intentionally leaking this because they want to see if they can garner some interest pre-draft. So Denver is definitely a team that we should keep an eye on. I like Baltimore a lot too, but I just think in regards to the amount of capital it needs for a team that is in a division that has literally started a cold war, like they're, they're adding nukes left and right over there. That'd be a good piece to finally bring in. You know, one of your rivals just brought in Khalil Mack. Why not bring in the guy who had a better season last year and see what that we'll see what happens. Yeah, I want to touch on Denver, too. It's funny you guys mentioned it, but they have a second-round pick, two-thirds, two-fourths, a fifth, a sixth, and two-sevens. And let me just say this for the record, that 
George Payton, the GM, as in former Chicago Bears scouting intern, pro scout, and assistant director of pro personnel, George Payton. I just want to make a quick side note. It's really ridiculous how many of these GMs and front office executives got their start with the Bears like two decades ago and just worked their way through the ranks. And just how unbelievably sad it is that the McCaskey family let these guys leave because the Bears just have been through four GMs, including Ryan Pohl since George McCaskey took over in 2011, right? It's like, like the Bears are the team that's such a talent hub for front office talent that they can't identify front office talent themselves. But getting back to the point here, you know, Peyton's I think is certainly interesting because I remember Tony Pauline telling me that Green Bay tried, well, Denver tried to contact Green Bay last year prior to the draft and facilitate a trade for Aaron Rodgers. And then I know that there were the rumors even this offseason after Nathaniel Hackett got hired there as the head coach. But I think with George Peyton, he's shown, hey, I'm willing to be aggressive. Now, my only issue I think with Denver before I let Joe go here and then we round out this topic is that if you're the Denver Broncos and you know you don't have a first round pick cool but you have the handful of second and third round picks why would you trade for a guy like a Robert Quinn when you know that this is a pretty good edge class in the sense that there's going to be some talent that falls and there's going to be some talent where I think that if it does fall into the top half of round two, you're on the phone with someone and saying, hey, you know, we'll give you 64, 75, 96 and possibly even a 2023 20, second rounder to move up and grab an edge rusher. And I would say right now, David Ajabo with the Achilles injury, the Michigan kid, he's one name that I could certainly see the Broncos falling in love with. I am going to slightly disagree here. Um, while I do think there's some really intriguing names at edge rusher and the Broncos are in a really good position to get one. I think they're a team that thinks that they can win now with Russell Wilson. And I think Robert Quinn gets you closer there. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't draft an edge rusher if one's available, like a David Ojabo, if he is to slip, which I do think is potentially going to happen with that Achilles injury. And I'm not saying that, you know, they should by no means be be focusing more on getting a premier edge rusher over maybe a rookie with a very high upside. This is a deep draft class, a lot of positions. I think there's good talent at edge rusher deeper in this draft class, but I would feel like the Broncos would be kicking themselves if they missed out on an opportunity to potentially get a Robert Quinn and still draft young talent behind him. Because I think Robert Quinn is kind of the similar move that the Bears made in 2018 to get Cleo Mack, a win now move, a, hey, we finally might have a guy at quarterback. We have an opportunity to compete in this division. You know, all the pieces are in place on offense. Let's build that Super Bowl caliber defense. So my my kind of response to all that is, why not both? I, I think there's going to be guys available on day three that you can take. There'll be nice pieces. And I think ultimately you can make a move for Quinn, give up some of these, you know, loads amount of picks that you have, like Max mentioned. I, I think it's a best of both worlds scenario for, for Denver, who's a team that absolutely needs more help putting pressure on guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. So I, I feel like they'd be kicking themselves if they didn't make a move here um, because I, I think ultimately they're in a position to win now. Definitely agree. I mean, that, that division, like Max put it perfectly, they're in a cold war right now. They, every team is loaded. Every team wants to win right now. And Denver has a ticking clock quarterback compared to those other teams. Russell Wilson's 33. They got to win now. They got to figure out a way to put that roster together. So I can see it. I, I think their ends are fine, honestly. I think they need a little more help elsewhere. but. 
if they're looking to improve drastically, that's an improvement right there alone. So, you know, forgetting Robert Quinn here, who had a great year, obviously, but switching over, this is, I think, one of the few times you've heard Ryan Pohl speak this offseason. Obviously, the last time we heard him speak was like a month ago at the onset of uh, free agency when all the signings, the whole Larry Ogunjobi fiasco went down. We had players like Nick Morrow getting introduced, but we had the annual pre-draft presser today. So I'm curious to know, I mean, what were your impressions? Because I think for me early on, Ryan Poles basically acknowledged, and he said it without saying it, that, yeah, the Bears need a hell of a lot more receivers because they have the exact quote. It says, you could say he needs receivers, 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 but he needs blocking too, and he also needs balance in terms of running the ball efficiently and getting that done up front, and then you can do some play-action pass stuff. Then you can do different things. So, you know, I think my biggest impression is that, yeah, Ryan Poles knows the offense needs a lot of work. I think that we all know the offense needs a lot of work, but just the quote I mentioned there sticks out to me because specifically he's saying having all these receivers is great, but it means nothing without an offensive line. And it means nothing in terms of the scheme the Bears are going to run without a solid running game. And I think the Bears have the second half of this nailed down with Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, even though Montgomery's going into a contract year. But essentially, he's basically saying, yeah, your receivers are completely worthless without an offensive line. But what do you think, Max? Yeah, I'm a little concerned um, about the notion that Brian Poles wants to move back in the draft. Um, I think that there's a little bit of defeatism, which maybe I just have to be okay with that the front office understands that there's going to, there's going to be a big difference between uh, today and tomorrow. And we're going to have to be just a little bit more patient uh, in order to get the, get us to tomorrow. But I don't know if Alice Hall just understands how deep the trust issues are with this fan base in the franchise that we've been holding on to this message for years now. And that, we're just so frustrated and tired. And then we were really excited to see a new breath of fresh air at House Hall and for literally nothing really big to happen since has been, again, a little disappointing. I'm not saying we call it quits. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, everything that's coming out of Ryan Pohl's, you know, few press appearances thus far has been consistent and I'll give him that. You know, we're not hearing the same word over and over and over and over again. I won't say that that, that the special word that uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace love to say, um, but I guess the word of of the year um, is is remodel, and that the Chicago Bears are being remodeled into a new franchise, into a successful franchise. Uh, so, any impressions off the bat is uh, again consistent. He has a clear vision. He's trying to make the team better. I don't like the idea of moving back in the draft. I really don't, but I understand the concept of acquiring capital for the future drafts because you're not confident that your roster is going to look the same in the next two years. And ideally it won't because you need scheme fits because you're completely changing the offense and defense around a new coaching staff. I am totally aware of that. But at the same time, it absolutely sucks as a fan perspective because I want to win now. I'm sick and tired of waiting, right? But, you know, it is what it is. So my general impression is, meh, could be worse, could be better. Just hold my tongue and see what happens on uh, Friday. Yeah, I think 
I think we're really going to see how much he keeps to his word and how much we can really trust him when it comes to Friday, Saturday for the draft. That's going to be really big because, again, Ryan Pace would say one thing and do the other. Ryan Poles, is he going to stick to his word? Is he actually going to trade back? Is he actually going to get more picks? Is that actually valuable to him? Um, I like how he answered some of the questions. I really love how he answered the the Byron Pringle you know, thing that came up. He The way he talked about how Pringle came to him first, notified him of the arrest. The way he made it seem is that Pringle didn't try and hide it. He came out and was aware about it. And it seems like he's back. It seems like there will be suspension for the team. It seems like they're going to be accepting of it. I think how he handles this and the way he kind of handled that question was another test he's had to face so far in terms of being GM. Uh, the first one being Larry Ogunjobi and dealing with that kind of whole fiasco. But now he's going to deal with the guy who's getting arrested and figuring out how to kind of maneuver his way through this and keep him on the team while kind of playing the delicate. Is he okay to be on the team? Should he be on the team? Did he actually do anything absolutely horrible that's a cuttable offense, suspension, all that kind of stuff. So the way he addresses that from now on will be kind of judged and looked at. Uh, also, like how we talked about just overall the team. I, I You guys, you brought it up already, Max. Uh, the whole talking about how, yeah, we need receivers, but we also need offensive line. I, I think that, you know, it's important to build not just wide receivers, but to also build the offensive line to build. I think you kind of – Shows up, but doesn't obviously say if there's more positions to build besides wide receiver. They need to build depth at other positions. And I hope, again, that the main concerns of this draft are wide receiver and offensive line, but you still need to address corner, linebacker, defensive line, safety. There's still more things to address, and I think that he's showing that as well. I, I, again, there's, he has said a lot of good things you kind of nitpick at. Um, the last thing I'll kind of add is I, I love that he talked about how this isn't it is a rebuild, but he said more of their laying the foundation again, that they've reiterated that year after or not year after year, but conference after conference, multiple conversations. The most important thing is they're building the solid foundation and they're going to build on top of that. So this draft to be the first indication of that. Let's see what he does on that. I'll add something really quick to that because I think you both kind of hit it on the head pretty well. So I don't feel like I need to add too much to it. I like how he compared it to like uh, a show how some rooms look good and some rooms don't look good. Uh, it's goofy, but I, I, I like the, the kind of, I guess you could call it a metaphor or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, cause, cause I don't, I, I agree with that. I think there's areas of the bears roster. That's good. And I think there's areas of the bears roster that is bad. Um, the, the other thing that I enjoyed that came out today, um, I, I saw this from a tweet from, a uh, uh, fireside bears, uh, guest, uh, Courtney Cronin. Um, and I don't know if she's the original when he tweeted this, but I, I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, something that he was doing with the scouts. I, I kind of enjoyed this. Um, while watching tape as a group, they used an anonymous poll system to vote on players by position and then players on how they stacked up against the rest of the board to see how they ranked. Um, I kind of like that. I, I, I like the change. I, I like trying something new um, and, and kind of getting, you know, an anonymous sort of like feeling for everyone about like, how do we feel about prospects and stuff? Um, again, this is a draft where the Bears are going to have a lot of picks on day three versus day two and one. Um, so that's going to be kind of a big deal. Uh, I don't know. For me, it's kind of a breath of fresh air, something just different, trying something new, experimenting. I mean, this is his first year as a general manager. He's going to try things that aren't going to work. He's going to try things that are going to be unique and different from what we've seen with previous general managers. And, and I think that's a good thing. I, I think it kind of is just almost a little bit fun. I mean, try something new if it doesn't work. I mean, Hey, this isn't an end of a world decision. 
Um, but, but other than that, I, I thought he was pretty professional today, liked how he was answering questions, not really a whole lot else to add there. Um, thought it was a decent press conference. Yeah. There's also another big takeaway is that he's been seemingly so much more transparent. Like you guys kind of alluded to and just hit on a couple moments ago, which I feel like for everybody that's ever been credentialed by the bears is especially the people at house all right now in the press room is just such a breath breath of fresh air in terms of actually getting information compared to when it was pace and naggy it was kind of just hey let's go ahead and just hop around these questions now with that said i think that ryan pole still did not tip his hand too much but getting away from the polls presser here it's interesting because last year Everyone thought Tevin Jenkins was going to go top 20. He fell out of the first round. The year before that, I mean, I believe that it was Debo. Well, Debo Samuel was a 2019 draft pick. But the point I'm making is that there's players that fall out of the first round every single year, you know, and it's certainly such a conversation for Chicago because when you look at the last couple of NFL draft cycles, you know, everyone thought Xavier McKinney was a first round pick. Well, he fell to the second round. Everyone thought that LaVisca Chenault was going to be a second round. I'm sorry, a first rounder in 2020, but he fell out. So the question here now begins this is just in terms of if there's a player that falls out of round one, then who's a, are you pulling the trigger on that player? No matter what y'all can go first here. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, you know, there's one one guy really at the end of the day that I think would be worth it. Um, it's 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 difficult to say because again, mock drafts are mock drafts. But the one guy that I was really high on, just because of the needs based, and because if you follow us on Twitter or YouTube, you know I'm a big center guy. You, you know I love the hog mollies. And that is the absolute beast of a human being. 2021 Remington Trophy Award winning. Tyler Lindenbaum out of the University of Iowa. And if you know anything about Iowa offensive linemen, you know, there's Swiss Army knives that will literally play wherever you put them and they will perform. But when I tell you that this guy is one of the best center prospects in the NFL draft out of the past five years, I am not joking. This guy has everything and anything that you want him to do on a football field. He will do it. He is fantastic. He's got incredibly fast feet, incredibly strong hands. The dude can move with just about anybody. You're not going to beat him off the point of attack. He's going to be a plug-and-play, day-one starter, whatever roster he ends up on. Now, the only concern, it seems like there's a good amount of scouts that are a little little flip-floppy on him, is is there's some size concerns that he's not going to be able to play up with some of these bigger nose tackles in the NFL. Well, I disagree I'm not a professional scout, though, but I think anyone with a brain can watch this kid on tape and understand that he's going to have a successful career in the NFL. And I think anyone with a brain uh, can compare him to some of the current centers in the NFL and know that this guy is, is going to be fairly to, to not or sorry, fairly, if not incredibly uh, successful. So there's there's teams in the late 30s. This guy was originally like a top 10 pick and just fell because of needs based and because of scouting or, you know, combines and, and assessments and all that jazz. Um, he's still projected to go pretty late in the first. And that's honestly where he should go just because of some of the talent at other positions. Um, center, unfortunately, isn't the most attractive position in the NFL. Uh, but the Chicago Bears have a desperate need 
for, for an incredible center, uh, specifically because we, we don't have one. I mean, we, we brought in, um, Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick. Thank you. So you already know I'm going to call him Patrick Lucas or whatever. Um, I keep miss it's, it's hard when you have two first names, I keep mixing them up, but sorry about that. Lucas Patrick. Uh, we bring in Lucas Patrick. Sure. He can play center. Sure. He can plug and play at guard, but we haven't had like a real solid starting center. Um, you know, I guess we had Cody Whitehair too, but I mean, these guys have been basically used wherever and anywhere over the past couple of seasons. So outside of Sam Mustafer, who's been the hard line center and Sam's good. It's just, there's still worries about that strength. Uh, it's just, he, he can't seem to, to, to play with some of these bigger guys up in front of him. Uh, whereas Tyler Linderbaum has the strength that he doesn't. So that's my immediate off the cuff. Who, who, if anybody, that falls out of the first, we should take no questions asked immediately, have the ballot pre-written, hand it off the second you're on the clock, stop wasting everybody's time. Let's get on to the next pick. It's Tyler Lindenbaum. Okay, so first things first, I love these Iowa offensive linemen too. And, you know, I think we've got two former centers on this podcast right now with Sam and Max. I think Max played O-line and D-line, I believe. Um, So... Maybe one of you guys should try out for center, play for the Chicago Bears. You'd certainly be a good fit in this outside zone scheme because if anything, you know, you could just be a swing tackle or a swing guard. But look, Tyler, let's do it. So Tyler Linderbaum's a name that I would say absolutely because one thing no one talks about when it comes to these Iowa offensive linemen is that just – you know, Max, you hit on the versatility, but it's not just the versatility that makes him such an attractive option. It's just the ability to go plug and play wherever and then just the amount of upside that exists. But for me, I mean, there's actually two guys that I would not mind the Bears taking a chance on if they fell out of round one. And so ultimately, number one, and they're both interior offensive linemen, by the way, number one's Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. There's been a couple reports out there saying that Kenyon Green's a first round pick, but other teams view him as a player that's going to slide simply because he's had knee problems in the past. So I don't know how true that is. But when you look at Kenyon Green overall, I just think what you're getting is a solid, well-rounded interior offensive lineman who should play right guard the experience is an issue with about 40 starts over a three-year career he's played pretty much left tackle right tackle left guard right guard has not played center yet so you know that you're getting a long-term option that can play either left or right guard for the bears where i think his more natural fit's going to be size not a concern at all same with power at the point of attack i mean he's just a guy that moves players off the line of scrimmage and we talk about big physical offensive linemen that's what Kenyon green is doing He's just big, nasty, physical. He's going to impose his will on every play. There's very few reps where I saw where you could genuinely say, oh, Kenyon Green lost that rep, and that's a reason that the play didn't properly develop or blow up. He's got really strong hands, too. Now, the other guy is an ACC prospect, which would be Zion Johnson, another player that I'm super high on, too, and would be an absolute dream of a draft pick. He's Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green are both players that are not just players on your offensive lineman. They're players that you build your offensive lineman around. So when you talk about a guy like a Zion Johnson, you know, what exactly are you getting? You're getting a player that's basically an ideal fit inside any zone run scheme. You're getting, you know, a player that has an aggressive, a physical mentality, a really good 
anchor. Okay, I would say Zion Johnson's anchor is the best of any of the interior offensive linemen in this class. And I would say that's probably one of the top anchors in the class overall, alongside the big four tackles. He's just got, you know, really good hand technique, just so versatile, okay, and a really smart and instinctive player too. He's got some experience playing tackle as well. But ultimately, I think his next fit at the NFL level is just going to be a natural interior offensive lineman. He's not as big as um Kenyon Green is. Like I believe Green is about six foot four, three hundred thirty pounds. Zion Johnson's whatever, six three, three hundred fifteen pounds. So kind of similar in size, but I also think Green is a much just stronger and physical prospect overall. But you know, whoever gets their hands on Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson, especially if it's the Bears, you're going to be getting a player who's going to start for you for like 10 to 12 seasons. And Max, regarding your comment about center basically being a revolving door, I mean, it's time to acknowledge it's been nearly 10 or 11 years since Oil and Crutes was basically cut from the organization. And the Bears have not had a solid center since then. And one of the best qualities of all the top teams in the NFL, especially the really good offenses, is that they have that starting long-term center for years and years and years, basically the quarterback of the O-line. Like one of the most recent examples that I can think of when we were growing up was obviously Jeff Saturday, who started for... Peyton Manning for so many years, you know, so the bears, if anything in this draft, they need to walk away with a center, which will, I'll address in a couple minutes here too, but go ahead, Sam and Joe. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, to start, there are essentially two guys that if they are on the board at 39, I'm sprinting to the board and telling, telling them that we're taking them. And that is Tyler Linderbaum and Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, if he somehow falls out of the first round, it is really only because of what he did wearing a t-shirt and a pair of shorts on a random day in Indianapolis. He is an absolute freak of an athlete, not only in terms of just like speed. He, he didn't have an impressive 40 time, but his long speed is incredibly impressive. Dude's built like a linebacker and can absolutely run as a wide receiver. He gives me kind of glimpses of when you see A.J. Brown with the ball in his hands. Um, you, you know, you see A.J. Brown with the ball, and he basically turns into a running back slash tight end. He's running through people. He's getting around people. He's doing everything. Traylon Burks was a monster in college, though, while playing at Arkansas, who never really has been that good, but he still has produced, and they were good this past year. But before then, they were never really that good. Um, this past year, he had over 1,000 receiving yards, a total of, uh, I believe, 12 touchdowns, uh, both rushing and receiving. And he literally he kind of came onto the scene when – they played against Bama, and he absolutely just torched them. He had like he had eight catches for over 150 yards, I believe, and two touchdowns against Bama. And he single handedly was giving them trouble. Like the rest of their team wasn't really doing much. Defense was getting ran over. Their offense in general wasn't doing anything. They don't really have a good quarterback. But Traylon Burks was taking over, and he was doing everything for them. And he can do anything when it comes to running his routes. He doesn't get you this insane elite separation that these smaller, faster guys do, but he is catching any ball that is thrown his way. He has incredibly long arms. He catches everything thrown in his direction. Really good at high point of the ball. Really good at using his physicality to muscle off corners. He really, the only real weakness to his game is that his route tree isn't complete. He's too big. And he takes time to get to his top speed because he's so freaking big. Again, this guy is 6'2", 6'3", 230 pounds. 
of just muscle. And I could see him being a guy like a DK Metcalf, again, freak athlete, not the exact same, or an AJ Brown, who's this bigger body receiver who Justin Fields just needs to throw in their direction. They're going to come down with it and they're going to get some yards after they catch two. We need to get, again, I, I, the way I look at this receiver core is you need to have your solid, speedy wide receiver in Donald Mooney. You need to get a bigger guy that you can target that can be a safety blanket for Fields. That is what Traylon Burks would be. And if he falls, it's, it blows my mind. He deserves to be a top 20 pick, in my opinion. And if he would have had a better 40 time, I think he is definitely a top 20 pick. Um, okay. It's time. Um, first of all, before I get into my guy, um, I would be happy with any of the players mentioned in the past couple of minutes. Um, you're ultimately getting an absolutely amazing player in the interior with any of the three guys mentioned. And I love Traylon Burks, and I actually think he's going to be a guy that could potentially be there at 39, depending on how the wide receiver class pans out. Um, love all those guys, uh, but it's not fun if we each pick the same guy. So, all right. I know that this is not a player that a lot of Bears fans are a fan of. I understand the concerns with his game, but if Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson is there at 39, I am taking him no questions asked. He's 5'11", he's under 200 pounds. I understand. He's undersized, his play strength isn't great, and I understand his adjustments aren't amazing. However, played majority outside at Penn State, which means that he knows how to play outside. I know he's probably better suited for the inside at more of a slot position. And I get that Bears fans want a big body wide receiver. I understand that Ryan Poles wants a big body wide receiver. I want a wide receiver who can produce and be an option for Justin Fields. And that's what you get in Jahan Dotson. Crisp route running, fast off the line, fantastic vision, catches the ball so naturally, so well. He, he's gritty. He attacks the ball in the air. There's so many things about this guy that I like that it, it, I would want him in a Chicago uniform, and I think he could fulfill the role of being a playmaker for Justin Fields. I understand the concerns. I'm more than happy to take criticism from my co-hosts here. I know it's an unpopular opinion, and I know it's a player that not a lot of Bears fans are high on. I got ripped a little bit on Twitter for it. But listen, man, if Jahan Dotson's there at 39, he's a playmaker. He can play ball, and I think he would be an awesome, awesome player on the Chicago Bears and, and a weapon for Justin Fields to throw to in 2022. Um, I, I would love to see him in a Chicago Bears uniform if he's there at 39. You know what's ridiculous about Jahan Dotson? And I mean ridiculous in a good way because it's a word that has, I think, both a good and bad context around it is that he had average and just, you know, mediocre quarterback play at Penn State. And I think that had he gone to a school where there was legitimate presence at the QB position, his production would have been top three in this receiver class and i'm saying up there with guys like jameson williams from alabama okay and you know garrett wilson and chris olave but the point i'm making is this is that anyone who says Jahan dotson should not be high on the bears board clearly does not watch penn state football and clearly did not do their research on Jahan dotson because is the guy gonna blow you away with some of his measurables absolutely not but 
at the end of the day, this league is basically shown. And I think that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus come from organizations where they value production and what's on tape over measurables. It's like Tyreek Hill was a guy that was relatively small coming out of college. And he fell to the fifth round because of all field concerns. McCole Hardman's another one that everyone was just like, oh, this guy's small. Is he really going to be productive? And look what happened. Like Those guys have become really key pieces in the NFL for their respective teams. So I know Max is going to say something about Jahan Dotson here because I saw his face light up. But I think no matter what, that if Dotson's there at 39, and I've advocated for guys like George Pickens on Twitter, but and on the podcast and on the YouTube channel, but Jahan Dotson would be my major, major choice because he's just such an electric playmaker and him alongside Darnell Mooney, I think you would have your wide receiver core of the future there and that would be the trio that would arguably define a generation of football in Chicago. Yeah. I, I, the only thing that I'll say is I don't know if Jahan Dotson is going to fall out of the... Oh, I, don't, I don't know if this is like in the, the question. I don't even think Jahan Dotson should go in the first. I don't think he's going to fall out of the first because I don't think teams are looking at him in the first. I mean, that's just me personally. I don't think he should even be considered that high considering some of the other guys that we're looking at in this class. Um, sure, he's a talent, 100%. I'm not doubting that. Uh, he's got amazing finesse, right? He's not the fastest, but what he's able to do with his steps is crazy. He's got amazing mindset. He's got some of the best hands in this entire class. But, but... Uh, you know, I'm a little worried about that size. I'm a little worried about how he plays uh, with bigger defenders. I'm a little worried how he plays against uh, more, I guess, well-established or faster cornerbacks than him off the get. Um, where we need an X really, really badly, um, like really badly. And we don't. I think we only have like two guys that are above like 6-1 on this roster. And neither of them have had any like real starting playing time for any team in the NFL. So I like John Dotson. Don't get me wrong, but I think that for the Bears' perspective, there's a better options to take. And I don't even think he's going to fall out of the first. I'm going to be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the board at 38 or sorry if at 39. And Chicago just doesn't take him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, trying to, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. No, 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 no. Listen, Max. listen. listen. It's fair, fair. I, I accept the criticisms. I, I know it's not a popular pick. I, I think your skepticism is totally fair. And Joe, I know you're going to add to this. So I don't want to speak too much. I, I'm not like saying don't disagree with me because I, I don't think it's fun if we don't have disagreements on players. Yeah, let's all kick Sam while he's down. <laughs> bad, pick, bad pick. Well, I mean, I, hey, I, I don't know. You can be a fan of the player. Wherever he goes, you can buy a jersey. Why not? Yeah, no, that's it's not more of a fan of a player. I, I am obviously I, I do like his game, and I, I am hopeful he will be a good receiver. He's fun, like, yeah, he's exciting, fun player, exciting player. It's okay to disagree with him. I, I think something we need to understand is like disagree with my pick that's totally fine because i think you guys bring up good points and i'm gonna let joe speak because i've talked too much but totally please do not feel like you don't have disagree with my pick it's totally fine i'm not not gonna get offended by it i i think it's fair of criticism 100 percent. appreciate yeah, it no i definitely max put it perfectly we need an x badly and i i think john dotson's a fine player i think he's a second round pick too. I really if he goes in the first i think it's a team kind of reaching I don't really think he's worthy of a first-round pick. Like, I, I, I would take, if I'm an NFL team at the end of the first round, and it's between George Pickens, Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson, I'm picking Watson and Pickens both over Dotson, in my opinion. 
Um, I think Dotson, though, will make a team very happy. I think a team, I hate to say it, but like Green Bay could be a really good fit for him. You already got a really big dude in Alan Lazard who's going to be your possession guy. Why not pair him with a guy like Dotson who is your versatile guy who can get open, who has speed. Yeah, he has size concerns, but that's kind of why you don't really want him in Chicago. You really don't want both your exes being really skinny or both your outside wide receivers being really skinny dudes who can't really muscle anybody. And then your slot being Pringle, who has no real starting experience, not a ton of starting experience either. It's just, it's not a good recipe for what they're trying to build, especially when they're pounding the table for physicality, mean dudes like, Mooney and Dotson don't really scream either that. Like, it's good to have Mooney to kind of change it up a little bit, give you that speed, but they, they need to get those bigger, meaner dudes. Like I'll say again, this will be my last point. Fair criticism. I think it's absolutely justifiable. I agree. I think that Bears do need to get an X wide receiver. That being said, I think that there will be some players there in the third round that you could take, and I don't. Th- I could totally see the Bears taking two wide receivers early. David Bell. Uh, David Bell, I think he's going to be there. Alec Pierce, potentially, but... Obviously, it's all hypothetical. Ultimately, I just think the pros outweigh the cons for me personally. But again, that's what's fun about the NFL draft. We can agree and disagree on prospects. I'm a fan of his game. I like him there at 39. But again, it's hard to take him over a guy like a Christian Watson or George Pickens if all three of them are there. And I agree with you, Max. I, I, I There's definitely a possibility. I don't think he falls at 39. I, I could see a team like the Lions taking him early in the second or a team like the Chiefs taking him late in the first. Um, but we'll see what happens again. If he's in a Bears uniform, I'm not going to complain. I know people will, but, um, again, that's what makes the NFL draft fun is we can agree and disagree on prospects. And I think guys' criticism is totally fair. Listen, let's kind of talk about what questions the Bears have to answer this weekend, no matter what, because I think, you know, for a regime that's put so much stake into the draft, because that's just Poles and Eberflus's background. It's like they both come from organizations where the emphasis was always building through the draft. But there's so many questions the Bears have to answer. You know, I talked about it on YouTube with Max earlier, but the one word I would use to describe this offseason has just been underwhelming because there were such high expectations when Poles and Eberflus were hired because the Bears have a big time quarterback prospect. They you know, the offseason's been underwhelming because you've missed out on a number of players. You had the Larry Ogunjobi fiasco, but this weekend, the Bears are going to have to answer questions. And, you know, for me, the biggest question that I think Brian Poles and Matt Eberflus are going to need to answer is that, and this is a bit of a wild card, how much influence is a guy like Ian Cunningham going to have in the draft? And I think it's a legitimate question because... The Eagles have stacked their picks. The Ravens have stacked their picks. So, and I think that the Ravens have been the best team that have basically shown when you draft these guys on day, late day two, early day three, the late third round, you know, early fourth round, fifth round, that you are consistently able to hit on talent. And those players can become such key building blocks towards building just a solid, well-rounded roster. And if we're going to be honest, like forget building a championship roster at this point, with it comes to the bears just kind of talk about how the bears have never really had these solid well-rounded rosters outside of probably the 2018 season and then dating back to some of the twilight years of the lovey smith era but the 
reason I bring up Ian Cunningham's name is because he's been in this position before where teams have not necessarily had high picks, but they've just found really good talent that's gone on to be starters. So for the Bears, you know, assistant GM's such a foreign position to the organization right now because they've never really added. It's kind of always been, you know, GM and his own brain trust guys. So ultimately... It's just the fact that we saw this with Ryan Pace, where it's pretty much Ryan Pace, his right-hand guy, Joey Lane, who basically negotiated contracts, and then Mark Sadowski, who's still with the organization as the director of college scouting. So what role is Ian Cunningham going to play? I think we're going to see that answered this weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a good question to ask. Um, specifically because there was a big question mark about who this guy is and why he's coming. Um, you know, why is he in Chicago? We haven't had this position before. So we, re- we have one now. Um, the two obviously have been really close. They live together. Um, they were at the combine together. Um, they evaluate talent together. That's a good question to have. My question uh, is specifically the draft is going to give us an indication of how much support this front office is willing to give to Justin Fields. I think that's my biggest question is how committed is this front office to Justin Fields? And the, 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 the answer to that is, do they draft wide receiver offensive line early? If the answer is no, then we have some big question marks to ask about just the front office's commitment to Justin Fields. If the answer is yes. All right, cool. I feel a little bit better, you know? Then we can get really angry about whether or not they took my guy uh, over Sam's guy, but that's that'll 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 be you know push it push it after the draft. But the night of the draft, I guess either either it's Thursday or sorry, yeah, if it's Thursday and we trade up, cool. What do we do with that pick? If it's if it's wide receiver, even bigger signal. Trade Bears were able to put eggs into a basket and said, you know what, we're going to go up and we're going to get your guy, Justin, because we trust you. Right? That's huge. That tells you just how much of a voice Justin has in that front office and just how much they're willing to trust him. That doesn't happen on Thursday. Okay, let's look at Friday. We draft a wide receiver and offensive lineman. Okay, cool. That's another strong message. That's, that's literally at the end of the day, biggest question that I think I have going to this draft for me is does this front office, after the reports already, whether you want to call it you know, media buzz or fake news or whatever, that there are some question marks by Justin Fields in the front office. What is the front office going to do to address that? For sure. And I definitely think it's a really good one. Um, going through and seeing, okay, how did they approach this draft kind of shows, like you're saying, their faith in Fields. And again, we all have the biggest faith in Fields in the world. We all, we all think he's the next big thing, rightfully so. He's shown the flashes, but does the front office think the same way? And I, that, that will be answered likely this weekend. Um, my main question is, can you get uh, your starting wide receiver one and your starting right guard in the same draft? And in most NFL team scenarios, this is a no-brainer. You, you, get, you normally get a first-round pick. You normally get a second, a third, a fourth. Every single pick in the draft, they get every round. Bears case, they don't have a first-round pick. That kind of sets them back already trying to get a star wide receiver. And they don't have a fourth-round pick, which, again, there's talent found in the fourth round, not, not starting quality normally, but normally guys who can possibly eventually start and some guys that do start right away. But the way they need to do that is they need to go after it early. They need to tackle it early, and, and whether that's you know going corner first, going linebacker first, and then going off as a wide receiver, that's fine. But how, how can they do it? Who do they need to target? Again, we, we just talked about some names like Faltos, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, go after Christian Watson, George Pickens. 
if they pair one of those names with like a, you know, a Cole Strange or a Tyler Smith, that's a win in the draft. And that that's, I think the Bears then answer not only my, my question of can they find that quality, but also Max's question of are they helping out Justin Fields? So they, they have a lot of things they got to do this weekend, but that is the most important thing they need to do. That It's clear and obvious they do not have a starting X wide receiver. They don't have a starting right guard, and they need to figure that out this weekend. I think both of you bring up kind of points in the same umbrella, um, and I think I agree. Like, there is going to be a lot of questions that I think get answered with what the Bears do, whether it is the second round or somehow getting back into the first or whatever the situation may be. Um, ultimately mine kind of looks more towards the roster as a whole. Um, can you find starting caliber players in both rounds two and three? Um, I, I am truly of the opinion that you need to find pretty much three players that can play right away in 2022, whether that's at wide receiver, interior offensive line, offensive tackle, cornerback, um, safety, whatever, whatever the route the Bears go, whether they trade back, whether they trade up, you need to find guys who can play right away in 2022. Because again, if you talk about building the foundation, you talk about building through the draft. Well, doing that shows that you are going to rely on those players long-term. And while it's obviously fun to speculate like, potential depth pieces in round six and round seven or day three guys that could potentially play right away. You need to find starting caliber players in 2022. And that needs to happen in rounds two and three. And and I think ultimately that's going to be a question that won't be able to be answered until we get to training camp. But I'm going to be looking at the guys at the Bears draft early in this draft and, and kind of wondering, like, can these guys contribute right away? Because they need to contribute right away if this kind of remodeling is going to be successful for Chicago. Remodeling is a perfect term. Those are all great questions, guys. I think, you know, when you talk about the mock drafts that we all posted, I mean, the easy consensus is that it's going to be a major disappointment if the Bears don't come away with three day one starters right now sitting at 39, 48, and 71. But let's kind of finish this off here, guys. And I'll let Max go first here. There's good that we've talked about, but there's also bad that we have to talk about. But Max, what concerns do you have about Poles and Eberflus heading into their first official NFL draft? It's the first go around in rodeo for these guys calling the shot. So naturally, not everything's going to be perfect. Not that it ever is, especially when it comes to the Chicago Bears organization. There's actually more dysfunction that the organization's still dealing with from like decisions made decades ago that continue to impact the organization now. But what concerns do you have? Yeah, my concerns, not not so much from like the the mechanics of, of the draft. I don't think we're going to see issues in slip-ups or, you know, delays or miscommunication cues. Um, Hallis Hall in the press conference today talked about how they've run simulations basically the past three days where they've even had people call in and pretend to do trades. So I'm not worried about, you know, the mechanics of the day. Um, I'm more worried about what potentially they could be doing. And that's, again, trading back. That's uh, looking at defense first. Uh, specifically, if they're taking best player available, on the defense early in the draft, I will be upset. That will concern me a lot. Cause like I said, in the YouTube, if we if the best player available is a solid lockdown corner to play on the outside of the hashes, when we already have a young guy who does that incredibly well, 
why are we wasting our draft picks, right? So I have faith that they won't do that. There's a lot on Twitter that would like us to do that. But, you know, Twitter's not real life people. So let's be happy that it isn't. Um, but at the same time, you know, that that's genuinely a concern is that we go early in defense um, and that we make a bad trade. Uh, we make a trade that may seem like at the moment a good deal. Ryan Poles kind of already did that with the Klumac trade. I mean, it, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I'm sure he wish he'd go back and just hold a little bit longer in that trade. He got what he thought was a good deal, and we still might win out on that. Just depends on what we get and that uh, forty nine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, literally, I think that's it. It just comes down to defense early is a big no no. Hopefully, we don't get fleeced in a trade if we do trade up. Hopefully, we don't trade down. Cause I don't want to trade down. I just personally don't think we should. Uh, and then uh, it was the fourth one. Um, yeah. I, I don't remember, but that's, that's where I'm at right now. That's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so uh, my, my, one of my biggest concerns was prioritizing defense early. So instead of reemphasizing those points, uh, Max, I want to ask you, why are you not a fan of trading down? Um, yeah. I, 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 by no means by asking this to be critical or perhaps get back at you for criticizing me for John Dotson. Um, and this is, this is, this is truly just like a question of curiosity, because I think if you did a poll and asked bears fans what they want to do, I think you'd probably get majority saying we should trade back. Sure. Yeah, no, there's a lot of people out there that think we should do that. Um, and, and it's totally justified. I understand why, especially in a rebuild scenario, you want to acquire as much capital as possible. But I think specifically in this draft, there's also a good argument. There's a lot more arguments for than against. I just think it sends a weird message to your roster and your team currently. Um, I, I, I think from the player's perspective, especially the guys that were tendered or brought back, that, you know, what's the point of playing for this season at this point? Like, that's a really hard message, especially because of how young this team is right now to begin with. These guys are ready to roll. These guys are excited. These guys are already stepping into positions that they can prove themselves. And then for the front office to just, you know, and again, it's a business, I get it. But still, for the front office to say, you know what, instead of taking some of these picks or being more aggressive, we're just going to be sellers and we're going to roll over and you're going to play your best this season. You're going to play your best football and Hey, guess what? It may not be in Chicago for the next couple of years. We may trade you away at the end of the season, or if your friend, your contract's up, sorry, bud, we're going to find somebody cheaper or somebody better, you know, for, at a higher premium, whatever front office decides to do. But I think that for, it, it, it shows us that there, this whole remodeling thing, this whole soft rebuild was a total lie that it's a full hard scaled rebuild that we're going to be as conservative as possible and roll over. And that's, that's what I think is expected. And I, that's what I, what I don't want to happen. I want us to do something that's not expected. I want us, because Ryan Paul said this, we are going to compete while we are still reassessing and reevaluating. That is entirely possible, right? We have two second round picks. I'm okay per se with trading one of those back. That's okay. Like maybe that's a weird walk back from what I'm saying, but I'd be okay if we did one of those back. But I, what I mean trade back I mean, like, oh, we're going to take package, you know, our, our, our first and the second, our second and the second, and, and, and one other one, and we're going to acquire like four fourth round picks or something, right? Like, we're going to trade Robert Quinn and our pick at 48, and we're going to roll all the way back to, you know, 78 and 83 and 96. That is something I don't think we should do. That, that worries me. 
So that's 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 my argument as to why we shouldn't uh, go back. Okay, let- fair enough. I, I just want to say, I want to just chime in really quick before you go. You said it. Thanks, fair enough. I, I'm going to let you said speak, but just I was more just curious, just because you partially did steal my question, but also just kind of curious your thoughts on that because I think. Again, I think if you did a poll, I think most Bears fans would be like, "Yeah, we should trade back." But I, I see your points. I don't. I don't think there's anything involved with that. But uh, you said, "What do you got to say?" Well, you stole part of my statement, but I'm gonna say anyway. I feel like you know, there's two groups on Bears Twitter right now. Okay, there's the incredibly pro Ryan Poles fan club, and then there's the cautiously optimistic, but also specifically objective. Bears fans that are looking at Ryan Poles and saying, yeah, you've done some good, you've done some bad. But I also think that when it comes to this concept of trading up or trading down, I mean, let's be honest, the support to trade down is so much stronger than it is to trade up, specifically because Bears fans got so used to Chicago trading up all the time under Ryan Pace that it kind of just became every draft we could expect at least to trade up. But I want to say this, is that I think the overwhelming support to trade down is just because I feel like a lot of fans have this affinity for Ryan Poles to the point where it's like anything that he says and does is automatically going to be signed off on. At the end of the day, you know, we have to understand is that Ryan Poles being the guy in charge of the organization in terms of football operations, it needs to be about what is best for the current state of the Bears And sometimes that includes not necessarily factoring in a philosophy that Ryan Poles has basically conditioned us all to believe. So I'm not saying I absolutely hate trading down because I understand why Ryan Poles wants to do it. Like the Bears do have a lot of needs. But then again, there's also a serious argument to be made that sometimes it's just better to stand pat and kind of let things come to you and let the board fall rather than and be content with the whatever six draft picks you have rather than try and create more because it's like, would you rather hit on six picks or like four or five of the six or have like 12 or 13 picks? Now, right now for the bears, the 12 or 13 picks sounds enticing because any of those 12 or 13 could go on to become key pieces to the team. But then again, you know where the bears are picking and the needs they have trading down is not a smart option because you could easily get starters. Definitely pro trading down. I, I wanted a little chime in and add a little bit there because since you guys kind of all went back and forth, but definitely need more picks. Definitely think you can get starters in each and every round. Again, it's, it's higher higher chance in the earlier rounds, lower chance in the later rounds, but why not take more shots? Why not build more depth to your roster? Um, I do like that you guys brought up too. Like this isn't a this isn't a reconstruction like they're trying to say it is sure. They they're not gonna say they're not going to come off flat and say, yeah, we're rebuilding. They, they can't say that. They can't say this is a down year or basically throwing the season. But that's basically what this is. And they're essentially just getting guys to build the base around. And I think the way to do that, you got to get more picks. So got to trade down for it. All right. So. For me, wait, Joe, do you want to chime with your concern real quick, or can I go ahead and address my concern? You can go ahead. Okay, so here's the deal. My concern, and you guys kind of already alluded to some of this, but I want to expand on is I don't want, because we saw this happen with the Larry Joby signing, is that I don't want Ryan Poles 
to merely draft a player to be a people pleaser to Matt Eberflus. Like, I'm so done with this whole notion of the Bears GM because Ryan pasted this all the time too in terms of like he traded up 14 spots for David Montgomery. Which again, Montgomery's become a solid player, but that was a move that was basically, if you remember the 2018 season, everyone was pushing out this narrative. Jordan Howard just not a fit in this offense. And then what happened is 2019 came around. It's like you ship Jordan Howard out for basically a conditional six rounder. And then, you know, you sell the fan base on the promise of, oh, well, we traded up for this player because our offensive head coach needed him. So I don't want the Bears to basically draft players to please Matt Eberflus. It's got to be a more so what is best for Chicago right now in this very moment. And look, I'm a firm believer that good coaching can take average players and get the best out of them and make them great, which is why I'm going to go ahead and say that Justin Jones and Al-Quddin Muhammad are two solid defensive linemen. I think Justin Jones, when we're looking at the offseason next year, and you guys can bookmark this take if you want to but i think justin jones is going to cash in next season because he's basically doing what larry Joby can do but at a far you know discounted price which actually bodes well for the bears because again this people are forgetting it's like this is a team that had 120 million dollars invested into the defense last season and had just 50 or 60 million invested into the offense and half of that 50 or 60 million or i want to say about a third of it was Allen Robinson on the franchise tag, and then Cody White here at center. And then you obviously had your veterans here and there who had some money tied up. But the point is, is that it's like it needs to, you need to flip the script. It has to be 120 million in the offense and like 60 million dollars invested into the defense. But go ahead, Joe. Yeah, definitely. I, I love Justin Jones. I, I think he's going to be very solid the way you put it. I think he's going to step into that Ogan Joey role and play very well. Um, again, he obviously the Chargers like open for a reason. The Chargers had the worst time trying to stop the run, so there are some concerns there. Can he be kind of the guy when he's the only guy in the interior that's any good? He obviously couldn't do it in Los Angeles. Can he do it here? Um, my main concern about Poles and Eberflus, um, again, we hate to do it, we hate to compare, but um, can the, the, the tandem of Poles and Eberflus find late round talent as well as Ryan Pasted again? Pace had his flaws. Pace had his issues. Cannot knock the man for how incredible he was at finding late-round talents. The guys he found in the later rounds that became instant starters, that end up getting bags, that he even got undrafted free agents too, that end up becoming highly solid players. His ability to find those guys that nobody else wanted and to turn them into stars and starters was unmatched, and he was very good at it. Can they even can they match that? Can they find guys? I mean, did, as of just recently, you look at guys like Darnell Mooney, Eddie Jackson, um, Bilal Nichols, all those guys right there alone. Those three have all been have all gone on to have solid careers in the NFL. Eddie Jackson even being an all pro at one point and Darnell Mooney looking to be a solid starting wide receiver. He's very good at finding those talents. Now we talk about how important it is to hit this wide receiver in this offensive line early in the draft. Okay, but we still have other holes that holes to fill and positions to hit on. And are you going to be able to hit on those in the later rounds? Like when you draft a corner in the fifth round, is he going to be able to have the impact that Donald Mooney had at wide receiver? When you find a guy, when you need a, uh, an interior defense alignment to rotate in, are you going to find a guy like Ryan Pace is able to find a blow nickels? It's going to be very important to do that. You're, they're essentially, their plan is to build this foundation. They need to build the foundation that was solid players, and they need to do that every single round. 
And they're, they're not really saving themselves for a lot of room for error because the fact that they're not bringing a lot of free agents, they need to hit on these guys in the later on and undrafted free agents. So again, it's hard to compare pace to these kind of guys, but that is something that pace did very well. And the thing that they need to do well as well. Honestly, last point I'm going to make here before we wrap this thing up for the morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time you're listening to this, is that some of Pace's best finds, and Joe, you alluded to this too, like some of his best players that became key pieces of that 2018 team were in the mid-rounds and even undrafted free agents like Cam Meredith, undrafted free agent, Bryce Callahan, undrafted free agent. Now, those guys were legitimately, before injuries derailed them, were on their way to becoming long-term building blocks. So the point is, it's just going to be so crucial. And both these guys have such a background in evaluating players that it's almost like you're right. No room for error is the perfect way to describe it. But anyways, that's going to do it from us this week, guys. So you can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Friday night, Max and I are going to be on with the Windy City Productions, live streaming our reactions on his YouTube channel channel we're gonna tweet the link out on all our social media pages so go check that out hopefully we're not as tired as we look right now or sound right now it's been a crazy day because all of us i'm pretty sure had 6 a.m starts make sure you're following max on twitter at max smith esm make sure you are liking commenting subscribing on everything that's going on with the youtube channel check out our mock drafts on there like review subscribe to the podcast do follow me on twitter at usaid coach you'll follow joe on twitter at joseph Earth nfl and last but not least follow the kid who's the youngest in this group right now is going to be graduating college congrats on that sam you can follow him on twitter at shy sports sam you know what they say at north central once the cardinal always a cardinal pretty sure they say that with every single place but anyways guys bear down peace out enjoy the draft tweet at us if you have questions i'll be covering the whole thing so yeah it's gonna be a fun weekend and we'll be back with more coverage but for now stay safe stay warm good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you may be it's been a pleasure having you with us this week for about an hour bear down roll cards bear down <laughs>